0: Welcome to somewhat decent reviews, somewhat decent reviews, season one, episode six. Okay. Well, we're not going to quit our day jobs. Anybody? We're
1: not holding out hope for any sponsorship with that intro.
0: We're going to only get better. It's only going to improve Laura. Like I always say one day at a time, one day at a time, one foot in front of the other. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, yo. I'm excited that it's Saturday. Glad to be here. Um, You know, was a little, was a little stressed picking all my things that I wanted to review this week. I was like, oh, I've got to make them good ones, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I feel all this pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this <laughs> is really silly because it's our podcast I and know. I'm allowed to talk about whatever I want. I know. I
1: think it's funny that I feel like every week you think about what you're going to review and then- inevitably like Anne of Green Gables and you're like I just want to
0: review that and I'm like yeah fucking review Anne of Green Gables yeah I do have like a weird little thing where I'm like oh I've got to review stuff that's like really hip (laughs) and then I'm like wait a second I can actually review whatever I want and if it's something like Anne of Green Gables or as I like to say (laughs) AOGG there's a there's a niche nerd somewhere out there who loves it who loves slide into into them
1: dms yeah (laughs) drop us a line on your favorite aogg quote i won't understand it but molly will
0: oh i will yeah we'll be kindred spirits (laughs) okay anyways anyways you know talking about end of green gables makes me want to talk about other books (laughs) what book did you read i've read so many books um you know I was gonna dive in and just talk about the Twilight series because I am re-listening to it and um I was gonna talk about that because you know reading it as uh, an adult as opposed to reading it as a teenager um you know you're just like whoa Mm -hmm. it's really rough but I'm not gonna talk about it y'all because everybody's been talking about Twilight recently but have they I don't know (laughs) (laughs) I don't have. <laughs> i feel like people talk about twilight all the time I, feel like I every think... time robert pattinson comes out with a
1: new movie they talk about twilight again exactly because so that's, that's why all he's known for it
0: that's why okay. um i think people are talking about twilight a little bit more maybe because batman. batman yeah um also like i don't know if you forgot but he's actually cedric diggory originally and yeah, right. in my opinion right. that's what he's best known that's for who <laughs> that's who he is so yeah. I don't know. I don't really want to talk about Twilight because I think I'm going to have an unpopular opinion that it does not hold up. Or maybe everybody has no. Nobody
1: likes Twilight.
0: I think that there are people who really like Twilight. Nobody as okay? an adult likes Twilight. They used I to like Twilight. Don't think that you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> I speak for all people <laughs> when I say the Twilight doesn't hold up. Oh my God. Okay. Well, moving on. I actually did want to talk about a different book because um, one of my biggest interests is poetry. I really love. Reading poetry, writing poetry, listening to poetry. I thought it was about time that I share a poetry book that I really love. So this is one of my favorites. This book is called Honeybee, poems by Trista Mateer, M A T E E R, and it's really good. It's really sad. It's um kind of like when you read it, you definitely feel like you're reading somebody's journal. There's a lot of like handwritten notes. There's like um, photographs, and you can see like. Photographs of plane tickets, like so. There's cool stuff, um and it's a compilation of poems, paragraphs, lists. um Some of them are really short, like Rupee Cower, you know, which she's right, right. definitely
1: Trista Matera is definitely in the same vein as Rupee Cower in terms of the short, snappy one-liners and poems yeah. that are about love and heartbreak. But I and
0: growing up, totally. I like Trista more though because I feel like. Man, Ruby Cower, I love I I love her. Sure, like that's cool. But also, I like more substance and more information in a poem. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like her poems are often much longer than that, and sometimes they tell a little bit more of a story. I mean, I guess Ruby's Mm -hmm. do too. I don't know. I'm just a little bit critical of her because I feel like Instagram celebs, yeah, Instagram celebs, and also like a whole book of poems that are like you plus me dream. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool, I guess. Yeah. But also, yeah. I don't know, give me a little bit more than that, yeah. please. Like tell me about the dream. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think there's a lot of speaking of Instagram poets. I think that there's a lot of poets that have come of age in the Instagram po- poetry sharing, the great Instagram poetry sharing experience, mm-hmm. and I think that Rupi Kaur is one of those, or Ryan Vanessa yeah um definitely Trista Matier has a big Instagram following and but is yeah. very I feel like it's a little bit different than that that group um
0: I think Ursa Daily Ward oh, is another yeah. one Oh my god who's Bone incredible yeah. I think I yeah but these people that you're listing like Ursa and Trista I feel like there's so much substance and depth there yeah like, for sure I I really I don't know I really love I'm love just saying
1: show. what I'm yeah. saying is that definitely like there's a lot of depth there. I think that what's going on is that there has become like, it's become very popular to share
0: poems. And there's word limits on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's the book that I want to share. You know, it's not super often that I sit down and read a book of poetry cover to cover sometimes I do like if I'm really into it but often I use it as like oh I'm gonna pick this up every once in a while and thumb through and like see where I fall and see what happens and um yeah so good a book to do that with I I highly recommend it what have you been reading um
1: what have I been reading yeah I um gonna review a book that I have like started and stopped a million times but am actually gonna finish it's called the fourth turning um it's a book that is not like it's not a novel it's nonfiction, fiction mm-hmm. um, which I tend to kind of like pick up and put down more frequently than if I have a novel um it's written by William Strauss and Neil Howe um and the first edition came out in 1991 but it's since mm. had many editions because it's essentially like a historical and anthropological theoretical work about predicting world history through generational study mm, cool um it's super fascinating it's also influenced like a bunch of different politicians and like thinkers um, in the time since 1991 in the 31 years that it's been oh, out which god. is wild that Whoa. 1991 was 31 years ago like <laughs> oh god uh yeah it's really fascinating um they basically come up with the idea they actually coined the term millennial oh wow cool yeah Um, And they have a book called Generations, which is all about the study of generations um, and how you define a generation of people. Um, But yeah, they coined the term term millennial. They came out with this book in 1991, and it's basically talking about how um, history repeats itself, how history and time is cyclical, and how we've grown as an American society, but also as a globalized society to not respect cyclical time, like back in the old days, how See, things followed seasons things followed planting schedules mm-hmm. things followed the cosmos and everything had a cycle to it right mm-hmm. and now we've really stro- like strived for individualism and
0: in moved a global world
1: that. I mean yeah moved away from cyclical time and mm-hmm. think about time as much more linear but how that kind of takes away the element of history kind of repeating itself and how in generational study it's shown that every 80 or so years, what they call the fourth turning, mm. they, they talk about things happening in fours, And so mm-hmm. they talk about how generations are different, archi- like d- generations exhibit different archetypal qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that each archetypal quality and each generation has a different vibe and different things that they strive for and different things that they're interested in and mm-hmm. different historical events that are very similar across time cool um and i think it's really really interesting i think that they make a lot of good points there are a lot of critiques of the book and the things that it brings about which is basically that like um you can't you know judge a generation based on archetypes and that mm-hmm. it's kind of people argue that it's making it too broad, broad, mm-hmm. um, that they're look- taking too much of a broad lens. But I do think, I mean, it's written by an economist and historian and a political analysis or political analyst. Right. <laughs> um, and I do think that they know what they're talking about. Totally. And I, mean- I think that they've done a lot of research and they've compiled, there are a lot of sound bites or quotes from various people throughout history that they've yeah. compiled in this book. But to me, It reads as a very interesting cultural analysis.
0: I think that's awesome. I mean, and I know you are, you are definitely a big history buff. And I'm, I'm a history buff to an extent that I like know a lot about specific things in history. Being someone who, as we know on this podcast, really loves like period pieces and like looking up stuff from the 1800s. Yeah. How history does really repeat itself and the things that they went through are similar to what we might go through.
1: Right. I think that they, um, so one, there's been several things that they've talked about in the book that um, have happened, you know, four generations apart or Mm -hmm. two generations apart that mirror each other Yeah. how, so each archetype kind of has similar mirroring qualities to the archetype that came Mm -hmm. before. And it's in fours, whereas they say like linear time, like a lot of the way that they categorize time and in modern American society, is in threes, which is a traditionally masculine number, hmm. and that four is a traditionally feminine number, and that that's how things used to be clocked
0: as, and how time used to be thought of. It's so it's, it's they Wait, talk about
1: that. Yeah. And then, so yeah. how
0: many years is generation? Do you say
1: um they say a generation is like I think 30-something years. 30-something years. Okay. thirty something years. Thirty something years. Okay. Years that would make sense. So millennials are like 1980 to 1996 yeah so 26 years 26 yeah. years so they yeah so it's, it's interesting because they talk about generations in really interesting ways they talk about cultural and political and historical events in relation to the generations that perpetuated these events or that mm-hmm. had you know these events happened to them and sure. then they also talk about how they predict a huge worldwide crisis happening in 2020 in 1991 weird they well, that's true predicted they uh, this book came out in 1991 and they predicted
0: yeah. so much historical stuff yeah because they were probably looking they were like well if our theory is correct then in about 2020 we're due for another global pandemic um and in about 2022 we're due for a big world war like so they're probably predicting all these things because they're looking they're making like educated guesses based on history
1: yeah yeah Yeah. um i recommend the book it's definitely um in in the wrong hands it can be uh probably a problematic like viewpoint that in the way that they think i mean i don't know i think mm. both of the people that wrote it were liberal they were also older white men you know mm. but like steve bannon liked that book you okay, know yeah so very diverse group of diverse people group of fans. That, that uh can be into it but obviously the writers of the book were not like supportive of the all right
0: or uh, republicans they were probably just trying to have an unbiased and they were probably trying to like approach it from an unbiased like hey whether whatever your political affiliation is this is a good book to keep in mind exactly i just recently read um this book called on tyranny by timothy snyder and obviously this is a pretty left like anti-fascist book but it also i think is meant to Walk that middle line, and just basically talks about tyranny, yeah, and how Mm -hmm. it's really harmful, (laughs) like really bad, and what to look out for if you're trying to avoid it. Mm. So, a good learning, great learning book. Yeah, Yeah, that book was all right. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I think I would safely say that I liked this book, um, uh, so far from what I've read, and I'm excited to finish it, Mm. and that also I do recommend it. I think it's one of those books that definitely makes you think um Mm -hmm. and I think any book that points to the past as a way to look at the
0: future is helpful totally um Um, you know what I will say when you're talking about the 1990s the book came out in 1991 yeah the movie that I'm going to review came out in (gasps) 1992 good segue it doesn't do any predicting let's just say that this movie is called the cutting edge (laughs) is it an ice skating movie yes oh
1: my god (laughs) I feel like somebody told me to watch this movie. Probably me, dude. I I think it was my dad. And you and my dad have similar movie taste.
0: Oh my God, great. I'm right there with you, Ken. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tell me about The Cutting Edge. Okay, so The Cutting Edge is, yes, it's a figure skating movie. Now, let me give you a little background information about this movie. My mom really loved this movie. Okay. This is one of my mom's faves. Okay. And when I was a little kid, anytime I would get sick, like in the middle of the night, for example, if I'd wake up and I was sick. And I have to be up with my mom. We would watch this movie. This was our movie that we'd watch every time that I was sick. So it became known as, in my house as like this Molly's sick movie. Oh my god. And so anytime I was ill, mom, can we watch the sick movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to watch the sick movie because I felt really bad and it was like a comfort thing. So I've seen this movie a hundred times, <laughs> like so many times, probably. It's about these two athletes who are skaters. Um, one of them is this guy and he is a professional hockey player, and one of them is this girl, and she is a pairs figure skater. And they both are pretty young and they are at the Olympics. They're at their first Olympics. The hockey player is like doing a really good job. He's like this up and coming, everybody's freaking out about him. They're like, this guy's gonna be a star athlete, and then um, hockey being the kind of more dangerous sport that it is he gets really injured and something happens with his eye and he loses like his periphery vision on one side and they basically are like dude your hockey career is over like if you can't see like you can't use your peripheral vision yeah um, you're not gonna be able to play professionally and so then he's like well who the hell am I mm. <laughs> like um, so that's his kind of story and her story is she um, is this kind of what I maybe you would like consider stereotypical like completely fully immersed obsessed with her sport so she is like figure skating is like the only it's thing life. she eats breathes sleeps dreams does figure skating um and it she is like comes from a home very wealthy like very well off um her mom died when she was young she's raised by her dad he's really one of those dads who's like you better win a gold medal like i'm gonna push you really hard like you need to keep working but because of her trauma etc it's created like she's kind of a monster like she's just really tough to work with she's pretty like mean aggressive like um she's just like tough she's She's just like like a mega skater bitch yeah she's she's just and she just like doesn't really believe that anybody's good enough she's kind of cycles through partners like she can't hold down a skating partner for anything right so our story picks up she's left like she doesn't have a skating partner he doesn't have a skating a hockey career And he gets scouted by her coach to come in for an audition and see like, maybe you can be this person's figure skating partner. The Um, unlikely pair. The unlikely pair. Exactly. I love when a movie does that. Totally. She's, you know, really smart and well-read and he's like, last book I read was my hockey manual. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of funny. Um, Yeah. So it's basically a very cliche, their story of, trying to figure out how to skate together and be um, like a partners on this, on the rink and through learning how to navigate being partners on the rink, they become, do they fall in love? They fall in love. They become partners off the rink. Um, (laughs) On and off. Yeah. So this movie is all right. Obviously 1992, it's definitely got some problematic stuff. One of them being this notion that these two people, who are completely opposite and really honestly pretty mean to each other for the entire movie. Like they say really mean things and are like cruel then. And like, there's no real, like, I mean, there's no real lead up to them. Falling no, it's very acceptable. Yeah. 90s movies did that a lot, right? We're just supposed to Why? believe like that. You know what? Like you were an asshole to me. And but I, I love, love that about yeah. you. It's, it's like, like the
1: masochism. Like, I yeah. love assholes. I'm oh going to fall God. in love with an asshole. Like, totally. Like, and then like we're like going to save
0: each other. We're going to, like, save each God. other's lives. Yeah. So it's hard in that respect. There's also this one scene that I was cracking up at last night because one of the things, like, the characteristics of this um lead, Kate is her name, the lead female in the movie. Um, she never drinks she doesn't drink she's never had a sip of alcohol in her God. life which is fucking awesome that's yeah. super sick for her she's really passionate about her career she doesn't want to drink i'm all for it but then he's like come on we should go drink like we should do it and another big 90s movies thing is like these big scenes around like getting shitfaced uh huh <laughs> like, yeah and so then they go to this bar and <sighs> He's like, let me teach you how to do tequila shots. And they do a tequila shot and then they do another one. Uh And then by the end of the scene, they've done like six tequila shots. And I'm like, this girl would be dead. Yeah. Like like, she's never drunk in her life. And then she takes back to back six tequila shots and she's not just on the floor. Like she still is having completely like coherent conversations and like dancing. I'm like impossible. Completely impossible. So this movie is not only impossible, but implausible. (laughs) Cool. it sounds like yeah something i'd like to make fun of yeah um, but and it's also pretty good. a good sick movie it's a great sick movie <laughs> anyways what movie did you watch That's buddy you. So <laughs> um i watched a movie called house of gucci
1: that is based yes. on a book it was a pretty famous movie this past year um because it has lady gaga mm-hmm. in in one of the title role title roles and then adam driver who Love. everybody loves um i think he's fine Mm -hmm. i don't like love him i don't hate him but um he's he's a he's dece. he's dee to me i think he's quirky um yeah he's definitely quirky we like that um Yeah. yeah it was a movie that's based uh on a book about the gucci dynasty yes um which is basically just like this big family that started that came from that is italian um and developed this fashion line were originally making leather goods for like i don't know famous people and before that like for the army and then um i think that i need to fact check that but anyways <laughs> they became gucci um and then through a series of events um the young son of one of the aging gucci gucci members or leaders of the company um meets this woman uh Patricia Patricia Regiani who is basically mm. Lady Gaga's character and she's this like young tough ambitious uh poor girl basically mm-hmm. or not poor she's not poor but she's working class you know yeah uh this young tough working class girl who is taken by him and wants immediately wants to marry him and then immediately wants to like w- make the company what she wants it to be and make the company mm-hmm. big and 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 better she kind of spearheads making changes at the company um but through doing so kind of alienates adam driver's character from a lot of his family members mm-hmm. and in the beginning of the movie you know in the beginning and middle of the movie she's kind of like kind of taking care of him and making him into the man that he becomes later mm-hmm. in the movie and then he, of course in the end of the movie the last half he leaves her for someone else just kind of cuts her out spoiler yes <laughs> big spoiler sorry <laughs> cuts her out there's not like that many surprises in this movie like yeah. I didn't I went into it pretty much knowing
0: like what was gonna happen what was I gonna mean happen. and also I guess you can just use google and have yeah. all the spoilers you want right because it's based on a true story right it's
1: based on a true story which is the Gucci cool. family was fucked up they yeah. had a really tumultuous uh you know, history and at this point in time and for many years now, there's not been any living Gucci members, um, running the company. So, wow. yeah, How it was bought out Adam driver's character kind of sells the shares and parts of the company mm-hmm. to, you know, entrepreneurial what's it, not fortune 500 companies, but, uh, big. to other big conglomerates. Yeah. Okay. To A big conglomerate who owns a bunch right. of fashion brands. And I yeah. don't know who's in like Dubai or some other, you totally. know, Totally saudi arabia or something like that and they've Miles. owned the company ever since um mm-hmm. the thing that's really interesting the thing that made this movie special honestly was lady gaga uh she blew me away in this cool. role i didn't know how good of an actor she was because i didn't watch a star
0: is born i haven't seen yeah. her act
1: at all really
0: yeah um, lady gaga went to tish school for musical theater which is a uh, the New nyu New it's like the branch of NYU. It's kind of like the most prestigious musical theater academy in the world. And so she started out as a theater. She was, and I mean, I mean, and also if you like knowing, like Lady Gaga is a persona, like she's acting the entire time she's in that role.
1: And I, and I guess I, you know, it's sad because I don't, love her music and so I haven't really I think there's one song of hers that I really like but I haven't mm-hmm. really ever been into her music and so I just kind of wrote her off because she is playing a persona yeah. when she's Lady Gaga as this pop star I'm not super into pop so I don't like totally. listen to her very her music very much and I kind of think of her music as like dumb club music right but um, I mean I know she's got a huge following and yeah you can she doesn't kill like- me for saying that but I'm like you know no I don't way. like i'm not obsessed with her but you she's don't a have a fucking to be. killer actress <laughs> she's really fucking good she played she yes. made, played this like crazy determined wife role mm-hmm. so well damn she definitely stole the show from adam driver who usually steals the show from other people i feel yeah. like so um yeah i recommend it. it it wasn't like as a movie i think it's directed by ridley scott so it's like a ridley mm-hmm. scott movie um yeah. Directed by Ridley Scott, written by Becky Johnston and some other Italian guy. Sorry, I forgot your name. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, it came out this year and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fine. It's a good movie. I wouldn't like say it's great. Cool, so far as that, but Lady
0: Gaga something good, something cool to watch. Like just wanting to take up an evening. I'm I'm excited to watch it. Maybe Mm -hmm. also if you're someone who's like interested in fashion, yeah, could be a cool thing to watch. You are, yeah, totally. That's Um, rad. What about yeah? What
1: about TV? Yeah, TV. TV. You've been watching this week. The The
0: show, yeah, the show that I want to talk about is one that I mentioned in last week's podcast mentioned that i wanted to talk about it's called the gilded age oh yeah so this show is on hbo it's a brand new show it's not even finished yet right now we have one more episode and then it's the last episode so Hmm. this show takes place in 1890s new york city primarily in the location Called the Millionaire Mile, which basically was Fifth Avenue um, on the upper west side, kind of across from Central Park and that whole area back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, that whole time, the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the part of New York City where a lot of like the wealthiest folks lived. And they, it was kind of known for just these mansion after mansion all along this strip of street. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these houses obviously don't exist anymore Mm -hmm. or are, have been remade into something else like museums or flats, whatever. Um, I was actually looking on Zillow the other day Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. some of these places rent for like $12,000 a month or like $30,000 a month. You can be like, yeah, I live on one level of this mansion. It's basically a townhome, (laughs) 1,000 square feet for $13,000. So this movie, I mean, this show it's about, um, Old money and new money, basically. Mm. So in the 1890s, we had basically a big industrial revolution type situation with railroads, electricity, a lot of people who kind of came up from nothing and then landed with a bunch of money. Um, One of the famous stories Mm -hmm. Molly Brown, Mm -hmm. not, not my namesake, but my same name Mm -hmm. who's was like just a wife of a miner, And then he happened to straight gold one day and they became overnight millionaires. So
1: is she in the show?
0: She's not in the show at all. I'm just giving that as an example of like how people would make their money in this time. It could be an overnight situation like success. Yeah. So this is the time of the Rockefellers, the Vanderbilts Mm -hmm. who even by today's standards, like if you're thinking about inflation yeah these men were on the level of you know bill gates steve jeff jobs bezos, jeff bezos yeah. um what's his name Phil that Knight did the Nike. tesla thing whatever Elon Musk, yeah that guy <laughs> these people so they have a lot of money and a lot of power but um in this show it kind of talks about how people who were old money and i like to say this like air quotes right Old money old versus money. new money. Like all of these people fucking came over on the boat from England I and made it from nothing. Like they all came over to the U.S. with nothing pretty much. Yeah. And so yeah. we're talking about the difference between people who became rich in like the late 1700s as opposed to the people 1800s. who became rich in the 1800s. Yeah. So anyways, it's basically just about conflict between them and um, how old money folks will pretty much do whatever they can to keep Power. new money out of yeah. society and like out of their cliques and not included. Yeah. But what's ridiculous is that you don't want to fight with these new money people. If you don't want to let them into your theater. Okay. They'll just build their own mm-hmm. and like, it'll become an even better theater like mm-hmm. Lincoln center, you know, oh or whatever. God. So, I mean, Rockefeller center, Rockefeller center is like such a big venue there, and they like built this.
1: Are world. there any like storylines that are not focused on rich people or is it just all
0: I mean, we have, so in a really similar way to Downton Abbey, we like get to see the life of like the people who work for these families a lot. Um, Yeah. It's also really cool because it talks a lot about, so there's one character, Peggy Smith, and she's a black woman and she is a lead character and she has a really cool storyline. Like her family is from Brooklyn and they live in Crown In what is now Crown Heights, Mm -hmm. um, which is historically a black neighborhood and it was actually back in the 1800s that neighborhood was one of the first kind of like settlements for free black folks so a lot of people who were formerly enslaved would move to this area of New York City, and they were like very well off and ended up like owning a lot of property in this area, having businesses and having like a really rich, vibrant, primarily all black community just outside of downtown in what is now Brooklyn. So Peggy's character is, she's the daughter of a pretty wealthy black man in who owns like a drugstore in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there is like some diversity. I think there's some pretty accurate historical representation. There's a little bit of class diversity. We don't really see any, actually, it's pretty good. Yeah, we see some people who are like middle class. There's one character who- is like a lawyer and he doesn't really have a lot of money, but he's trying to like get into society mm-hmm. in some way. And then you see the servants in the house basically. Mm-hmm. And they have their, all their stuff going on. So it's a cool show. If you're somebody who's interested in like Downton Abbey or you vibed with historical, you vibe with like historical, historical fi- social climbing and stuff. social climbing. Yeah. Like drama, historical drama. Mm-hmm. If you were somebody who really likes costumes and set and I'm, a big fan of like yeah scene architecture set Mm -hmm. design and I love period films and period pieces so maybe I'll give it a second try yeah so Laura you Laura tried to watch the first episode and didn't love it I got bored it so the first you know guys you really got to get through the first episode I promise it gets better okay the first episode is like an hour and a half long and that's rough but the rest of them are only 45 minutes
1: I don't understand why you make a pilot that's an hour and a half long unless there's like a lot that's gonna happen
0: well, I think that they're trying to like really set the scene and let you know okay. what this show is going to be about. Okay. The first episode is when you meet pretty much all of the characters for the first time. Okay. And also I will say you're, you're valid in that. Like Cynthia Nixon is in this show, most well-known, um, for sex in the city. You know, mm-hmm. we all, I think probably know if you don't know who Cynthia Nixon is, you can just like Google her, um,
1: <laughs> just, Google,
0: just her. Google her. She's cool. She's good, but we all Got to know her as Miranda on Sex and the City, and it's hard to unsee her in that role and see her in something else. She She's okay, but she has like kind of an annoying character in the beginning, and if you can kind of get over her. Her shrill voice. shrill voice. She talks like that. It's rough. I can't. <laughs> so just kind of, she does mellow out as the season goes on that's good so i feel like i've been talking about this show for a long time and we can move on to a different show but it's very good i highly recommend hbo Speaking
1: about sh- of shows about rich people yeah
0: rich people let me tell you about my show <laughs> okay great that i watched
1: <laughs> about rich people it's called oh we crashed and it's mm. about um it's based on a podcast that was made um i don't know when but about somewhat recently about the we work phenomenon of um adam newman and okay. rebecca newman are you familiar with WeWork?
0: um a little bit tell me more okay
1: we work as a startup yeah that was made by adam newman and his wife rebecca adam newman is one of those people who like could convince people of anything He's right. like one of those creepy people who's like yep he called himself the entire time he was coming up and into his Really famous company. He called himself a serial entrepreneur, Oy. which to me is like, yeah, exactly. It's like, Ugh. I'm
0: like, why are you um, wanting to frame yourself in the same context as serial killer?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> a serial, Cereal, serial. Serial entrepreneur. Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Um, yeah. So, WeWork um was his brainchild. Uh, the brainchild of him and this other guy Miguel McKelvey who uh, started the company with him and it was essentially like
0: really ringing a bell
1: revolutionizing the way that people work in a co-working environment Mm -hmm. Um, it was essentially like office space but it was very clicky and very like it was kind of in the style like he made he made these these places in the style of like a dorm right so you could basically,
0: if you were somebody who worked for yourself or you'd freelance, you, you could, could live
1: and work in you the could same live place and work and yeah. rent
0: a space at we work yes. with all these other people. Yeah. And there's of course like
1: beer on tap party stuff. Like everybody's oh God, partying. Wild. Everybody's like living together. Everybody's having sex with each other. Whoa. You know, it's just like the way that I have understood we work is that everybody drank the Kool-Aid that was Damn. working there as well as who, who they, mm-hmm. a lot of people worked for we
0: work. I'm essentially in
1: the show we crashed just came out brand new show uh-huh. starring Jared Leto as Adam Newman and um Anne Hathaway as his wife Rebecca ah,
0: cool yeah I love those two
1: yeah I have mixed feelings about Jared Leto but I do love Anne Hathaway um I think that Jared Leto did pretty good he captured the accent this, mm-hmm. this guy Michael what's his name Newman is um Adam Newman is uh Israeli uh-huh. um so he's got Oh interesting. A pretty thick Israeli accent and is Jared Leto Israeli No, absolutely not. Okay, no. so that's weird. Whatever. But he no. did an Israeli accent for it and I thought he mm. he hit the nail on the head a little bit pretty pretty well with the Israeli accent as far as what I know because I've been around a lot of Israelis and um Jared Leto didn't really capture to me the energy like when you watch mm. video of Adam Newman you can see how fucking energy he was like a fucking wound up yeah energetic
0: ball little ball, ball, ball fire.
1: of fire like yeah. puppy dog <clears throat> energy very like which is I think that puppy dog energy is
0: what made him so successful because totally. people, people were like drawn to you it. you're great I want to be around you but also yeah. you know who doesn't love just, puppies I wouldn't want them to run my company exactly. but I love a puppy exactly <laughs> yeah so that was Adam Newman and then his wife Rebecca is this
1: fucking bananas like she's just I don't know how how else to describe her she was one of those like fucking white yogini types that like just spiritual bypassing really really well off Mm -hmm. she was her dad I mean she's a cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow
0: interesting yeah
1: she just had like a really interesting life she had a privileged upbringing married this guy who basically hounded her for a date And then finally, like, you know, they started dating and they're kind of perfect for each other, but they, and then they found, he founded this company and she joined in, you know, she became Uh early on, she became involved in the company, similar, similarly to the style of the last show that I talked about the The dropout dropout. Yeah. Yeah, It's just about how this company just, it got valued as like one of the most, I don't know, it got valued at over a billion dollars Wow. really, really quickly after starting up. And it was run by all these like young Gen Xers and younger millennials that were of working for them and he basically sold this dream that he couldn't keep up with and that Damn, wasn't yeah. actually real and wow. there was so much like just it was incestuous it was very un- unsustainable and in the end he fucked over a lot of people um so this so is, this many. show is about that, that. and yeah so many startups and companies are taking a yeah. chance on people's just
0: like their word <laughs> word
1: exactly it's
0: wild yeah. and there is so many shows right now about, about fraud that. exactly <laughs> i'm like every we're half, really like, having a fraud moment in media in right now. a fraud moment like damn, well i think it's know, part of like this fraud. this
1: um i think it's part of the aftermath of um this american awakening that nothing is fucking perfect and yeah. that we're all just kind of struggling together here and that yeah taking being taken advantage
0: of is a large part of American society yeah and also like I think I was having this realization this morning institutions none of it's actually there to help me the way that I thought it was when I was a kid like I was always under the impression that like doctors and hospitals actually really wanted to help me first and foremost no no not at all actually all of these institutions want to make money first and foremost yeah and they like actually thrive on you getting yeah. sick and ill and injured. That's what they, they want that more. The older
1: you Just get, the more wild. you realize that the capitalist machine will go on without you. Nothing
0: <laughs> prepared me.
1: It's rough out there. So yeah, we well, crashed, good show. Okay, I do think it's well acted. It's a, if you want to- dive into that fraudulent world it's very good and uh i
0: recommend you know you were talking about this like white yogini person and i know that we are maybe gonna save this show but i want to just oh yeah because it's a good segue
1: um both laura
0: and i watched this show called byron bays (laughs) it was one of the more dumb shows i've seen it's a pretty bad show but it's you know it's that like reality entertaining very entertaining reality show set in byron bay australia yeah which is which is like a little <clears throat> lip of land uh yeah it's the town that they all go to gold coast gold coast it's really close yeah. to gold coast and the reason that reminded me is because one of the characters on there is this girl named hannah and oh, she man. is just the most like woo woo spiritual epitome like, god I yeah. can't. I you can't can even recreate her
1: unless you watch her this show is about a bunch of youngins that are living 20 somethings that are living Uh, on coastal Australia, very wealthy, very wealthy, very white beach town very privileged lifestyle and they're all creatives but of course they have a lot of money so they're able to be creative when
0: they're not very good at being creative and they're so clicky and so if you move Byron Bay like you're just gonna be like crapped on by all the locals apparently according to this show or brought into the gossip cycle yeah and it's just I mean and obviously we can have a critical lens and recognize that drama is often created by producers Mm -hmm. to make a good show. So I'm guessing that a good majority of the drama that we witnessed on this show was created, but it doesn't get away from the fact that it's very much the show markets itself as like everybody who lives in Byron Bay is an influencer on social media Mm -hmm. their image is really important to them like they only wear beige and white they only wear loose flowy linen clothes that are in beige or white colors yeah and they're judgmental of anybody who wears like anything edgy they always are ragging on people for having any kind of plastic surgery surgery or any modification
1: but they're all like have lip fillers and and yeah and and oh my god it's just it's a hot mess. It's but a really hot mess. What it is is some good to me it's comedy. It's oh funny yeah, it's hilarious. It's so bad that it's funny. And it I is. watch a lot of reality TV shows, not because I necessarily want to be spending my time watching these people, but I do enough to watch many, many hours of it. Because I'm just fascinated by how these people work and also the fact that like they can kind of be really, really unself aware. Totally. (laughs) It's
0: a cool psychological evaluation experiment. Uh, I I really like watching a lot. I watch a lot of reality TV mostly because I think in a way it causes me to like reflect on my own life and my own situation. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if this came up, how would I handle it differently? Mm-hmm. And obviously it's probably just feeding my like judgmental Virgo side to like mm. watch this and, and analyze yeah. and critique people's behavior. I but. think
1: people watch shows and media for different things, right? So there's sometimes that you're watching, you're seeking out media to feel relaxed. Or there's other times that you're seeking out media to feel seen. And yeah. there's other times that you're seeking out media to feel your interest has peaked and your kind of judgmental side has
0: peaked a right, little bit. Right. Cause you're like wanting to maybe you want are looking to Because You kind of want to tear something validation. apart. Yeah. yeah.
1: You're kind of like, oh man, this is so hard to watch, but it's also so fascinating because yeah. I could never do this. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that the thing to me that stuck out about that show was yeah, a the the kind of ridiculous personalities and the drama of the show it obviously had some really beautiful scenery mm-hmm. um but I do feel like overall it wasn't like a great show no it's not, not like it's show. a very um watchable
0: show it's really totally. it's really easy to watch really easy to binge watch like you can just watch the whole thing but stay for
1: the Australian accents come for the honestly, scenery
0: stay for the Australian accents and bad drama yeah wasn't wasn't gay enough for me honestly it yeah. could have been a little more gay <laughs> there were there were two gay characters yeah there were but they didn't really they talk didn't have about have any storyline about their romantic no, lives and there was like relationship drama and stuff I don't know
1: anyways anyways moving on, on Byron
0: Bayes yeah Bays. moving on um what kind of music were you listening to this week dude um I had a really
1: uh stressful week and when I have yeah. a stressful week I tend to get angry um blah yeah. A lot of uh that so i like to just kind of feel my anger with some black sabbath that mm-hmm. is my i i had grew up with a brother who was uh, p- punk and really into punk so i listened to a lot of punk growing up and i liked punk but i felt more when i got older i started listening to metal and proto metal and um just essentially is like rock Like, you know, rock of the 70s. Yeah, Yeah, Black Sabbath's first couple albums are some of my favorite albums. My favorite album by Black Sabbath is their second album, Paranoid, which is the one that I will review today, Mm -hmm. um, which is basically like my album that I go to when I'm feeling kind of fucked up, if I'm feeling mixed up, if I'm feeling angry, if I'm feeling like I need to clean my entire house really fast. I put on yeah. Black Sabbath's Paranoid and I fucking go to town because that's just what
0: you do when you listen to that music. You're just like, oh, I can rage. I can <laughs> clean. I could get things done. It's like, I love to envision you just walking around your house, listening to Black Sabbath and like dusting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, You're just like great. angry, wiping things off. Yeah.
1: Um, Black Sabbath started in Birmingham, England. Uh, they have very thick Birmingham accents. At least Ozzy does the main lead singer. Um you might know Ozzy from Black Sabbath and also from his well-known VH1 reality TV series called The Osbornes. Which which was was my
0: introduction to
1: Ozzy Black Sabbath. Honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was a very popular show in the early aughts. And uh, yeah, it was a kind of a different side of Ozzy because he was known as being less like, you know, early metal prototype dude that was like badass. And then of course, like in his older age, you know, he's got this reality TV show (laughs) with his family. And he's kind of like sitting around in his PJs, doing various like being a weirdo. Being a weirdo, which <laughs> he is a weirdo. He's absolutely a weirdo. Um, I don't really know a lot about the individuals in the band because I don't really care about them in the same way that I care about other individuals in bands. Mm. I just listen to this to their music. Usually, I do a lot more research into bands, but because you know mm-hmm. I had already been introduced to Ozzy in that show, I you know as a kid I was or a young person I was just kind of like. Okay. Well, I've seen you. I've seen what you're like as an adult. I don't need to know what you were like <laughs> as a young person and you're kind of a fucking weirdo. So yeah. um, Yeah. So I love that album. I think it's a really good album. If you don't know metal, if you're not interested in metal, I think it's a interesting and intense rock album to listen to. And I think that it. Influenced a ton of rock and metal that came nice. after it. it. Came out in 1971. Nice. Definitely worth a listen. Really cathartic if you're feeling some feels.
0: Cool, cool. What I love you? that. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I love that you listen to Black Sabbath. I think like you gravitate towards like real sad, like weepy music all the time. I love. I, sad love, music. I love that you listen to Black Sabbath when you are like you're like rage. Yeah, kind of rage. Yeah. Um, this week I listened to <clears throat> some of my favorite older music and i guess not that much older my one of my favorite bands is the wood brothers and so i wanted to talk about them today i love the wood brothers i honestly love bands of brothers period the (laughs) avet brothers is my favorite band i love um are you seen the show band of brothers i have heard of it it's good it's a good it's sad it's a world war ii show oh god that sounds really sad yeah (laughs) back to back Back to the Wood the Wood wood brothers okay so these are their folk americana guys two dudes the wood brothers they're really great songwriters they've got kind of quirky voice their music is very much on the country side of things but definitely folk so their first album um is called ways to lose and it came out in 2006 And honestly, it was hard to pick which album I wanted to talk about because their first four albums are all like really, really good albums and Mm -hmm. they just have some really good albums. Even their most recent one, which came out in 2020 is really good, but I wanted to talk about their first album, Ways Not to Lose, 2006. It came out. This one has some of their most even still to this time some of their most famous songs that's what angels can do is on this album which is a really sweet beautiful song and luckiest man which is another one that i really love to play on the guitar
1: are they like well-known i've
0: never heard of them no they're not actually the most well-known i mean i think they are they're pretty popular but they're not they're not huge. Okay. This is my, my vote uh, for them. Anybody who hasn't listened to much Wood Brothers, like go give them a listen. And if you don't listen to anything, listen to Luckiest Man or Postcards from Hell. Adding it to McHugh. Yeah. Those are really good songs. I actually think you would really like it, Laura, because I think I really encouraged you to like get into Chris Stapleton Mm -hmm. and this is that vibe. Nice. Same kind of vibe. We've got Chris. Yeah, we have um, the Wood Brothers are really similar to that. Some really awesome harmonies songwriting is really cool. Their voices are good and quirky. Yeah, so that's what I listen to. I recommend it. I am I love them. So the Wood Brothers, give them a listen, start with their first album and move on from there.
1: Sit on a wooden chair while you listen to the wooden, Rock. Wood Brothers. Rock yourself. Them
0: carving some wood so sit in a wooden chair listen to the wood brothers on whittle, your, whittle yourself whittle up. yourself a wooden spoon <laughs> <laughs> okay so that was fun what kind of podcast Anyways, oh uh, my gosh you know podcast schmodcast podcast the only podcasts podcast. i really was listening to this week or was somewhat decent reviews it was our own because i was editing way to plug it <laughs> way
1: to plug it um, i uh didn't listen to our podcast but i did listen to song exploder which is Ooh, i think cool. you would like song exploder being a songwriter yourself yeah um, and knowing about song construction um i it's one one of my fave podcasts um it's hosted by rishikesh Kush and um it's cool it's like he interviews um various artists of different genres um and talks takes one of their songs that's a popular song um and asks them to talk about how it was made cool so it's like start to finish so he talks to the producers and the artists often um Mm -hmm. or he'll talk to the artist and they'll mention what their producer did and what they did yeah and how they wrote it um and I always like how it's made things I like how Mm -hmm. it's made podcasts I like how it's made shows I love home improvement shows I love me too I just like learning how things get done you know so for me it's fun because it's like I don't know anything about music you know can play a tiny bit of guitar but you know other than that yeah. i don't really know very much so it's kind of cool to learn how music gets made um yeah really cool it's a really simple I love podcast and it's nice and it's not too long
0: yeah. this has been episode six of somewhat decent reviews thanks for scatting with us today thanks for sk- scatting with us a booby de but hey <laughs> <Ta-da. Ba-da-da. I'm- laughs> we'll see you next week everybody thanks for hanging time. out see you next time <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>